0: From worlds beyond to right into your homes. This is Rose's Guide.
1: Hey! Yeah. Hey, Aaron! Welcome all to All My Fantasy Children, Rose's Guide a special audio primer on the world of fantasy and the world of All My Fantasy Children. I am Jeff Stormer. And I am Erica
0: Tanner Sayers,
1: And this is Rose's Guide. Basically, the idea here is we have been making All My Fantasy Children, we have been building out the world of fantasy for three years at this point.
0: Pretty much, yeah. And
1: we wanted to create a multi-part primer series that if you wanted to dive right in, you could listen to a few hours of content in a few, as opposed to almost 100 plus hours of content to basically get the basics, give you some episode references to help you dive in and know like which episodes we talk about, which topics, if there's something that particularly interests you, or just get you up to speed so that you can enjoy the most recent episodes easily and like feel like you're up to, you're you're at the moment when we start the new episode,
0: yeah. It's a good refresher, too, because the show moves super fast and then we all make it up on the spot. So it's a good refresher to be like, oh, yeah, dwarves do that. God, we haven't heard of that in 20 episodes.
1: Yeah. It's also helpful for us to be like, oh, we did say that. Right.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll probably go into that down the road. Joke's on y'all. This is more for us. This is extremely also for us. (laughs) Okay, So what are we talking about this uh, month?
1: This volume is uh, (laughs) volume three. Yes, sure? this is volume 3, <laughs> The Dwarves of Geode.
0: Yes, indeedy
1: To start, let a quick note that is that like we have not explored Geode as much as we have some of the other like places and cultures and cities as the other places, and that's something I'd like to get to in 2019.
0: I agree. I I honestly know why. I don't cuz I'm scared. Geode's real hard. The things we've the things we've put into motion I'm like, I love it so much, so I'm so delicate and careful, I think we're gonna fuck it up, so I'm always like, Jeff, how don't you take this one? Because I'm real nervous.
1: I think I think, I think think we just need to make it a goal in 2019 to really dive in and kind of, like, explore and flesh out this world, because I think there's a lot of interesting things happen that I want to, like, get into.
0: Yeah, totally. There's a lot that, I mean... The reason why, it also helps that we had an entire, like, actual play focused in one of the cities with mm-hmm. the leader, and the one, the five jewel crown member of this city is like alive, and like, you know, it's it's kind of like a hidden hand, so it's kind of hard to like delve into the past, yeah you know? But anyway, we'll try our best.
1: So, speaking of the past, why don't you take a moment, Aaron, and go over the the ancient history, the creation, the founding of Geode. With a note from our uh, our Party of the Five backstory episode.
0: All right. So when the planet was created by the Five, Yellow uh, decided to make the dwarves. So carved from stone came the dwarves, and they lived inside this great mountain known as Geode. Now, in the Dig New Earth episode, we realized that the dwarves were locked kind of like in one area of Geode, They were kind of contained in this small pod, Attack on Titan style, with like these beasts called horrors, all filled throughout the mountain, kind of keeping them in one spot, preventing them from really like breaking loose and seeing all the cool treats inside the mountain, and really getting a hold of what they had going. And that all changed when the planet called out to one dwarf who kind of is unnamed. Mm -hmm. We decided that they've never, we'll get to the guiding word, but for now know that this dwarf has never spoken before. They Mm -hmm. do not speak. They have never spoken a guiding word, but the planet chose them. They received their planetary relic, the Terramancer's gauntlets, and they beat back all the horrors and freed up the mountain and opened up all the different layers of this cake known as geode, Mm -hmm. and they dwell all the way at the bottom, and... Fuel the mountain with magical energy and create everything that the dwarves could ever need, like artificial suns, you know, farmland. There's plants that only grow in geode. Pretty much there's a perfectly contained ecosystem within a mountain, and it's all provided by what who is known as the machine god, which is the name that the dwarves gave this dwarf because they kind of have never declared anything about themselves mm-hmm. other than, like, I want to provide for the dwarves and keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. A
1: cultural note, a societal note about the dwarves that comes from the machine god. The machine god's body is largely made up of crystal.
0: Mm-hmm. It simply
1: was a fact of their life was that they, they had crystals growing all over their body. Crystals and subsequently like crystal powered objects and subsequently cybernetics become a big thing in Geode. So Geode, like the aesthetic of Geode is dwarven but also very kind of a little bit cyberpunky, a little bit steampunky. You know, magitech is a big thing. We talk about this in the first episode of While I've Got You Here. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is a, which is a short-lived series in which Aaron confronted <laughs> me at work and at like social gatherings and gave me lore while I tried to brush him off so that I could go back to work.
0: That's fair, <laughs> but yeah, if <laughs> if you think of crystals in like the Final Fantasy VII materia way, where it's like solidified leyline magic, mm-hmm. that's why like. You know, crystal implants and cybernetics are popular in Geode because if you think of Geode as like a quartz, you know, it's like a piece cut yeah. in half. And the outside's usually like pretty junky. But on the inside, it's like glowing and beautiful. Um, that's kind of the idea I have for Geode, where the inside is amazing yeah. because that's to, – to Geodeans, that's what counts. It's what's on the inside. It's yeah. not about what's on the outside. It's who you are and the things you accomplish. Mm-hmm.
1: The other thing that you mentioned briefly that I think we could get into now is the idea of the dwarven first word, the guiding word. Oh, yes. A dwarf's first word determines their path in life in a way that is part nature, part nurture, part mystical, part mundane, part societal makeup. The idea is whatever that first word is, and there's a little bit of magic in that your first word could be for instance uh independence as we mentioned in the alfred and the alfie <laughs> independence episode yep your first word could like it is almost always going to be something that is you just speak it as though you have been given the word from some other source
0: and sometimes like we we kind of decided in the stratus episode mm-hmm. that like sometimes it's wrong like there's a there's a small element of societal pressure in there you know mm-hmm. and you know, that the guiding word could be wrong, that it could be, you know, you could be pushed into a profession, unfortunately. But it's sort of just a mystical thing that kind of gives you a path. It gives you a direction in life that you can change and break away from. But it's sort of this idea that culturally, magically, whatever you speak ends up, first word kind of ends up being what determines your fate and shapes kind of what kind of guild you enter and what family you enter in order to best... Um, kind of develop those skills and your passion in life.
1: Yeah, once a dwarf speaks their first word, they are given, they are adopted essentially by like a sort of family structure, but also kind of like a community group, as much apprenticeship as parenting. Like you were adopted by someone or someones who can, who like understand that 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 word that you spoke or the interpretation of that word. And can nurture those gifts and skills, and while this sounds like it could be stifling, it is also almost supernaturally, like, satisfying to have this thing and be, like, and it 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 comes to pass that, like, with again, part nurture and part nature, it is part magic, like, you part magically just find this thing satisfying, and partially that you are raised among it and taught to be comfortable with it. That first word reflects something that you are good at and you are passionate about and you have this drive and a direction that points you towards a thing that you want.
0: I love it. I think it's super cool. It leaves this cool room open for a lot of like – because, of course, it's not absolute. Mm -hmm. Like it's not finite. It's not perfect. And that's what my favorite thing about it is, is like at any time a character can have their guiding word be like, you know, male – And, like, you'd think, like, oh, they're going to be a mail carrier, but it's like, no, they may be someone who, you know, delivers babies or something. Makes armor. Makes armor. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that. But, like, yeah, that's the fun of this. And it's
1: that a word, you know, it's the idea that a word can meet that has multiple meanings. It can have different spellings, different words. Like, it can be so many things. It it leaves open that sort of room for discovery, but it it creates this sort of magical, a little bit of a destiny aspect to it, right? Like it's yeah. I, I think it's interesting. We talk a lot about that in Stratos. We talk a lot about that in Alfred Independence. I think we talk a little bit about like the family structure in Dig New Earth, but I don't fully remember.
0: And also uh, Rust Iron Hands too. Rust
1: Iron Hands is a big one that we talk about it in. Yeah. Um. And I think that's kind of all of the big sort of cultural things that we have to talk about before we get into, like, the city itself, right? Well,
0: real quick, it's just this... The the thing that we've said in the past, too, is that dwarven... uh, The idea of invention... Oh, yeah. um, Because it's a people... We rolled up in, like, the family... Not family history, the Party of Five backstory episode, that they worship a machine god that they think that they are from this machine god, and therefore they are a machine, and that they have to have a drive and... That's where, like, this kind of idea of invent yourself mm-hmm. and, like, forge, forge a new path forward comes from. And it's, like, constantly re- be reinventing yourself. Like, you may have a guiding word, but that doesn't mean you can't keep reinventing yourself and you can't evolve. And so it's kind of just this thing of propelling society forward through invention mm-hmm. and, you know, what are you creating, And that's what leads to things like they're the number one city in fashion because Mm -hmm. it's constantly about reinventing, recreating in art and, you know, personally as well. Like people are constantly exploring themselves and things like identity. This is the cultural epicenter of that.
1: Yeah, but discovering something new, whether that is in yourself or in the outside world or creating something new, whether that is in yourself, in your life or in the world is powerful and valuable to dwarven culture, and I think that's that's kind of, that's why it is. That's why it's it's fashion, it's science, it's arts, it's industry. It is people constantly going, I'm going to do something that has never been done. I'm going to create something that has never been created, and the world will be better
0: for it. Yes. Oh, I'm about it. I'm into it.
1: I, I think it's a neat idea.
0: So what's next?
1: Uh, next, let's talk about the city of Geode itself. Ah, I love it.
0: It's so I'm exci- weird. I love, the ge-
1: I love the city of Geode.
0: It's it's interesting, like, the, the visual that I've, that we talked about in the road trip episode is, like, if you think of a mountain, and you think of the precipice being, like, where everything started, where, like, mm-hmm. the machine god first pushed down, because it would be, if you start at the top... If you were to push back the horrors, they'd be underneath you. Yeah. So you, I imagine that they punched down each, in each layer, like released a blast and that opened up a new layer. Sort of like, so it looks like a mountain, but also a crepe cake if sure. you were to, like bisect it. Sure. So there's tons of layers and each one is sort of like a different neighborhood, a different, you know, this is the fashion district, the fashion layer. This is the arts layer. This is the science layer, the robotics layer. And it's sort of leads all the way down to the bottom where that's where the machine God hangs out.
1: Mm -hmm. It is a city. And and accordingly, it is a city of neighborhoods, right? Like unlike like there is, you know, the idea that like you could go 20 feet below you, right? Like you could go a layer below you in the earth or like two layers deeper and feel like you're in an entirely different city. Feel like you're in a place that you have never been before. That sort of element that, like, and and when you live in one of these layers, like, that's part of your identity. Like, you wouldn't say, somebody wouldn't say, I am from Geode. They'd say, like, I am from, like, Loomsburg. I'm from Loomsburg.
0: Like it. I like that.
1: Loomsburg being, like, a place where weavers go and weave things. And it's just, like, it's it's a congregation of people weaving, like, fine fabrics and silk.
0: And and what's interesting about you saying that is like, when when I try to think about fantasy cities, like when you talk about fantasy cities, usually it's like, this is a city of warriors. This is a city of, like you said, it's a district of people who work the loom. But like, usually in a city, there's places you work, and then there's places where people live, and Mm -hmm. they're usually detached. So like, this could be a place where like, you know, there's bars and restaurants, like places for people who love to weave when they're not at work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when you say, like, a neighborhood of weavers and loomers and stuff, I think of these places as, like, that's where you go to kick back. Like, that's, oh, your, yeah. that's your neighborhood. Like, all the – it's where people of, you know, similar interests tend to, like, hang out together. And Geode has that, like, covered. You know, yeah. if there was a neighborhood full of, like, podcasters, video game people and stuff like that, I would probably want to live there and hang out with everybody in, like, the pod district.
1: And if you, you know. think about like the, the 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 sort of real world reference point that I have for this is very much like Philadelphia has things like Jewelers Row where it's just like jewelry stores, but then there's also apartments like above these jewelry stores yeah, where people yeah. that work in these jewelry stores could live like can live in these apartments, and you just kind of live where you work and you you have this space that maybe only a few blocks, but it is your space in your neighborhood. And that's, like, a defining thing for you. And that's kind of what it is in Geo.
0: It'd be really cool, like, because you have a passion for jewelry. You get Mm -hmm. to, like, you know, work whenever you want, scoot on downstairs. I love it. I love this idea. It's, like, to me, it's one of the most, like, real cities. It feels like... I don't know. For me, it's the one we've discovered and like decided that much about yet. Like, There's not enough Geode episodes, mm-hmm. but for me, it's one of the most fully developed actual fantasy locales that we have in the show.
1: Yeah, I dig it a lot. I dig it as a, as a place. A lot of this episode is going to be us talking about this as a place, because I think we've talked about it more as a place than anything else.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's what defines the people who live in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the people have created, we talked about how culturally it is why it is what it is. Like, you know, the machine god ignited the culture and then the culture defines the city. Like yeah. we, you know, so it makes sense that we would talk about the city when talking mm-hmm. about the dwarves. Oh, for sure.
1: For sure. I just, I, I really like it as a as a place and as an aesthetic.
0: Oh, it's so good. Um, The trolley.
1: Oh, there's a thing we talked about in the deep dive public transit and fantasy episode that you can go listen to if you're interested in more of this type of content. Is that there are, uh, throughout all of Geode, going, like, left, right, up, down, diagonal in every direction throughout the inside of this mountain, there are trolley cars. Tro- powered trolley cars carrying people through every inch of Geode. If you want to get from neighborhood to neighborhood, you hop a trolley. Yeah, Trolley culture, or the culture around the trolleys is, like, the people who drive them. Probably, now that I think about it partially, like, it, like I can imagine, I could see someone being, like, saying, like, drive. As their first word and becoming a trolley driver, which probably leads to the thing that we talked about, which is every trolley is like its own unique designed piece of art.
0: Yeah, it it honestly, like when you think about it with this guiding word thing, it could be a lot of different things because of what we've set up with the trolley system where you... You take – everybody who drives these trolleys takes a tremendous amount of pride in it, Mm -hmm. and so each one is, like, decorated to reflect that driver or a theme or something they love, something they're interested in. And it's decorated, it's lit up, you know, it plays music, they, you know, it's a real, it's a real personal experience. Yeah. You know, I would love if I got on my sub, if like any bus or trolley, my driver was like, Aaron, like, what's good? And then they start playing like their music. I'm like, God, this is why I love this trolley. Like, yeah. it's because it's for the driver. It's because it's theirs.
1: It's, it's, yeah, it reflects the drive, like they're, there, and they, they create these sort of works of art that also serve a public good and it is a it is a tiny little detail but maybe maybe my favorite thing in the world
0: oh it's deeply satisfying that that exists yes I love it I love it to death
1: um so yeah that's kind of the like aesthetic of geode right you have these sort of beautiful artistic trolleys you have these neighborhoods that look different feel different smell different and you have all of these people pursuing like, their dream, the thing that they've wanted to do their entire life to the best of their ability and creating these new things, which is why it very much is a city that exists on like the bleeding edge of everything.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Some specific
1: things that we have talked about include uh like science. There are just cutting-edge scientists like Rust Iron Hands building giant robots and the Iron Forge, which are which are sentient machines.
0: Love that.
1: Uh, we talked about, like, Brew Albertson, who is a world-changing uh, chemist. <laughs> yeah, and, uh,
0: sure. And you can call maker. it that. Yep.
1: Aaron, <laughs> what are some of the things that Brew Albertson has created?
0: So Brew Albertson is responsible for All My Fantasy Children's official beverage. Now, I want you to imagine just your day. You know, the bullshit that you deal with, the crap that you go through as you Go through your day. Wouldn't it be great if you can sip on a beverage that literally provided a shield to block all that out? Well, all my fantasy children has you covered. Introducing Shield Aid. Block the bullshit. A potion that literally wraps you in a shield to keep that bullshit out of your face and out of your way. The ingredients, you ask? (laughs) Oh, that's so easy. Take six six ounces of red wine, splash a uh, soda water... And about two ounces of fresh cardamom on top, and mm. boom, you got shielded. Mm. Yo. Have run, have run with every episode. I have one right <laughs> now. Hold on, let me take my sip. Hold on, we're gonna give you that good audio. It's not a water bottle. I'm unscrewing. Oh fuck! Oh my god! Hold on, I'm so I'm covered in like cardamom dust. <laughs> I'm just it just poured out like it's it slid down. Eyes. It it Aaron, slid it's down. My, the, it's in my eyes. Uh, but the bullshit's gone, the discourse, it's all washing away. Thanks,
1: Shield Aid. Now, I do have to briefly correct you a little bit, Aaron. What? Uh Brew Robertson originally worked on Shield Aid, but he did so <laughs> at the behest of our most beloved on my fantasy children character, Mr. Pepper Pib. Wait.
0: What? Oh, Dr.
1: Pib. It was Dr. Pib. Thank you. I couldn't
0: remember his name. <laughs> Dr. Pib. We just said his name was Dr. Pib.
1: Yes, Dr. Pib was the dwarven inventor of Shield Oh, shit. Fred I Albertson forgot. Broke away from Dr. Pib, who is a very Nick Fury esque <laughs> beverage scientist. Of course. To create uh, Rope Alive, which is a beverage that you use to animate rope. But also turns you into a werewolf.
0: <laughs> it's, it turns you into a werewolf. And it's what all the cool teens are chugging <laughs> these days. If we didn't talk about the ingredients, we'll get there one day.
1: Which is why it's why, why there's probably, I think, a lot of werewolves. Wait,
0: hold on. Jeff, do you want to decide what is in Rope Alive right now? I do. I really, really do. Um, Hold on. Let me find. Uh, There's a food table. There's a potions table right there. I believe we used it to create shielding. All right. I'm ready. Uh, Can you roll me a D20 real quick? I sure can. Give me one second. So this is for uh, what Rope Alive (laughs) looks like. This is the appearance, I think, of the bottle. And we're using Madeline Hale's Table Fables and the Potions Table. All right, D20? Uh, Yes, please. Three. Three. A small tear-shaped vial on a necklace filled with a clear, shining potion. Oh, of course you wear it as a necklace because it's what all the cool teens are doing. Of course. Now give me a D10, please. Okay. This is for what it tastes like. Oh, uh, no, a, a D20, please. That's a 10. Uh, it tastes like... Rope Alive tastes like whetstone. <laughs> oh! Oh!
1: <laughs> okay, this is a fun treat for fans of Rope Alive. Also also very prominent in uh, Geode is the world of entertainers and performers like the makers of everyone's favorite children's show.
0: Oh! <sighs>
1: Budmo Jiggler.
0: <laughs> Fucking Bud Moe Jiggler. See, Bud Moe Jiggler is an important character. It's not at all. But it's very interesting because if you deep dive in the idea of Bud Moe Jiggler, like, you know, late night comedy show who gets revenge becomes a criminal. Because it tells you that, like, Geodean and culture, like with this whole invent yourself thing, people are really competitive. Mm hmm. Like, you know, they they closed his show. Like, Budmo Jiggler's show got fucking canceled. And so he had to, like, make his own thing. Yeah. It wasn't, like, a fair... He didn't get a fair try, you know. He kind of got effed over, and that was very unfortunate. And, like, it's it, he had a rough go at it. So it kind of shows you that, like, Geo's a tough place. Like, do you... Question for you about... What do you think about Geode? Like, can you get left behind? Is it, like, competitive? Hmm. Well, obviously. Brew Albertson had to fucking quit the S.H.I.E.L.D. aid. Yeah. You said he's a Nick Furious character. I think it's like you know, unfortunately it's very competitive and it can be competitive and shitty.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's an element of I think there's an element of that in it.
0: I dig it. I like imperfections. Nobody's nerficed.
1: Well yeah, and it's 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 a world of self actualization and that can be a long, difficult process that has a lot of like painful bumps in the road.
0: Yeah, some people suck real bad when they think they've had a fucking self realization. <laughs> mm-hmm. Case in point, the reclusive (laughs) game designer, Stratos. Stratos is an incredibly important character because they invented the greatest tabletop game that will never be created in real life. And the version of a very popular Dungeons and Dragons game in fantasy called Nogs and Nasties. Nogs and Nasties is the board game chosen by almost every person in fantasy to enact their fantasy dreams and play a nice tabletop game where they get to slay dragons and birds and things because for some reason it takes place in the clouds in the city of <laughs> the city of the sky.
1: Stratos has lived inside of a mountain for their whole life and does not actually remember, does not actually know what like clouds look like. No. So there's a lot of a lot of creative license
0: there. There's a lot of creative license. And it's this idea where like you start at level it's a pretty interesting concept actually and I can't wait for someone to rip it off. You start at like level 1 and you're on the ground. Like you're just some little dungeon what is it? Uh you're just some sort of the funnel character where you're yeah. like a baker. And once you prestige, that's when you can enter the Sky Kingdom. And that's where Nog and Nasties really fires up. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's a fucking board game.
1: Yeah. And also they also they like hire hit hitmen pe- hit men to go like burn down other people's game design studios.
0: Which, it's a rough life. Which to be honest <laughs>
1: further advances that sort of competitive that nature.
0: <laughs> and also, ain't that the way? Yeah. So but anyway <laughs>
1: There's a lot of our Dwarven characters. I think we also touched briefly on Alpine Switchback.
0: Oh, yeah. Who was a Dwarven hike instructor. Oh, my God. Yes. Changed the game in terms of hiking. Um, Like, changed how people experience fantasy and appreciate the small things. Alpine Switchback will take you on a journey around the world if you want, because he's Mm -hmm. going. And you can jump in that quest and learn all about the planet and the beautiful things and just... Created a culture of slowing down like while the Geo- while the normal geodean culture is about fast and invention and reinventing things, Alpine switchback is about slowing down and really looking at things that are there and appreciating them for what they are and the natural wonder of the world instead of trying to manufacture something, try to see what nature, nature is already producing and you know take it Ooh. into your heart and reflect on that It's beautiful. It is. It's great. I fucking love Alpine Switchback.
1: And so uh, that's kind of all, like, a lot of, uh, maybe not all of, because I don't know if I was that comprehensive in my list, but that's a lot of the sort of indicative dwarven people that have sort of informed this dwarven culture of, like, pioneering spirit and self-actualization. And, like, that's a lot of our, our sort of characters to go on. You can look up their individual episodes if you'd like to learn more information.
0: Yeah, do it up.
1: And the last person that I'd like to speak about the last kind of topic that I want to cover in this episode is the new machine god.
0: Yeah, it's something we've thrown out um but didn't get into enough mm-hmm. and I'd like to because it's it's very it's very interesting and there's stuff that we have to hammer out like in this episode yeah. moving forward because it's it's super interesting and weird.
1: So here's this is the story of of a young woman named Amy. Amy spelled A M hyphen E is a 26 year or was a 26 year old woman living in like Kensington or Fishtown Philadelphia mm-hmm. um who was also it's worth noting the world's first fully cybernetic android no big deal um she dreamed of other worlds by day she was a barista by night she was flying amongst the stars or you know battling it out with superheroes or exploring this world called fantasy
0: yeah she kind of like we use it we've described it as like her consciousness traveled mm-hmm. you know we talked about it in kresna drex where like your consciousness travels to other worlds and you actually go there yeah when you dream
1: and so eventually she's having these journeys she's having these adventures and eventually a portal opens in front of her as uh she wanders through it there is a concert playing She meets the love of her life, a dragonborn musician, Tia Matt, also known as Shock, the two fall madly in love, and they travel the world together, sparking, like, a social revolution of art and education and love and acceptance and change.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a big deep dive on, because Tia Matt's old. That episode's real old. We need to to hash out some things. I listened to it and took notes and actually wrote out a way that it fits into the new canon and like where it fits in and how and it actually works i promise but it, yeah we'll we'll make that eventually
1: uh yeah i think i think we'll make that in a few weeks honestly
0: oh true that's true yeah next time it'll be a deep dive on tia and how um she how that episode kind of shaped the kind of the world of yeah. the, the fantasy
1: and uh, anyway. the, the two of them fall in love, they spark an artistic revolution, they, you know, they, they travel the world making music and art and all sorts of things, and finally, you know, Amy grows older, Tia grows older, and the two of them move back, like, and not move, like, move, or rather, they find Geode, right? They, they travel to Geode as part of their sort of world tour, they arrive here, and at the end of their travels, at the end of their journeys, they kind of settle here. Mm -hmm. They say, like, this is where we want to live. Yeah. And Amy being a a cybernetic android, she is welcomed, she uses her insight, she kind of, like, helps guide technological development. She is eventually given the nickname the new machine goddess. She is a machine, and she is sort of... I don't think a political figurehead so much as, like, a cultural figurehead is kind of how I see it.
0: We definitely said it's a cultural change. Like, Amy kind of like offers the idea of like if you don't want to abide by the guiding word you don't have to cuz like someone from our world would be like that's rough <laughs>
1: yeah and 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 she pushes the idea that like you know even if it is magic you can shape magic to do what you want it to do like you
0: mm-hmm.
1: can it, it it is as much you deciding how that relates back to you as it is like you doing the thing exactly and so i think she earns the nickname the new machine god we i think we may have said she was worshiped as a god but i'd like to
0: kind of strike that yeah, we can strike that if we want.
1: I, I like the idea that she is sort of held up as like a cultural icon and that that's kind of that's kind of her legacy as the new machine. god. She's very much like just the kind of person that you're like, yeah, she did a ton. She's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, like I would think, OK, so imagine you're a dwarf like on your grind constantly because this the, dwarves have been doing things like this way for a long time. You know what I mean? Like the, the ways of the old machine god of, you know, the machine god, which kind of was this weird interpretive way of going about life, you know? Yeah. Because the old machine, the real machine god, like, never gave instruction to anybody. They just started, like, helping and producing things and providing for geode, and people just started worshipping them, sort of, like, or just acknowledging them as some sort of god. They don't even know if it's a person down there, you know? They just know that something's providing. So in comes Amy, this badass from Philly who's like, what? You say your first word? My first word was, like, poop. I was a baby. So like that's that's a lot. If y'all don't want to do that, you really don't have to anymore. They'd be like, yo, that's the coolest person I've ever – you know, she's an icon. She's cool. Yeah. It's like fucking Gaga. Like... Yeah.
1: <laughs> Technically, my first word was system initiating. I mean, te- if we're being technical, but I well, understand.
0: actually, but... my first word was system initiating. Yeah, I know. A- Amy's first word was like boot online or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Initializing. <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of this cultural icon and people start getting a little more relaxed with this whole thing. And, you know, she becomes kind of like a cultural icon is like people. I think people just say it like she's the new machine. God. Yeah, that's she's cool. I want to be like her.
1: It's a it's a title that is earned to represent basically being a cultural leader in the city of Geode.
0: Yeah. You don't have to like run a city for all the people in your fantasy world to think you're fucking the bomb. <laughs> you can just like have a cabin in the woods and people think you're really awesome.
1: Oh, two other things. I realize there's two other brief things that we should like briefly mention. Whatever, it's More 34
0: ju- minutes in, who cares?
1: More just like I want to allude to two other things. Um, Geode was briefly taken over in a military coup.
0: Oh yeah, by Delta.
1: By Delta, one of the 17 Knights of Dragon, one of the legendary warriors that slayed Arthur of Iron Hill. Uh, Delta being the most violent, the Kingslayer, they that destroyed the king held the held the the city captive for many a ye for many years. Uh, was eventually was eventually sent packing. Uh, Amy eventually grows old, and when her body kind of expires, she gives her heart as the new artificial son of Geode. It becomes known as the. Does it have
0: a, it had a name? Did we ever? We've never said this on this show, Jeff. There, haven't we no we've never talked about like when amy gets old oh well like, then let me scratch yeah, this is yeah no 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 no. we can like you can no, make no. this decision but right here right me, now
1: i'd like to but let me let me cut all of this and i'll present this in a more exciting way
0: we talked about the coup that's rust to iron hands yeah and that, like ends when delta gets booted out and like that that ends with john that episode ends with john pierre we've never talked about amy and the city besides we mentioned in stratos that she just kind of hangs out there.
1: Right, okay. Alright, cool. In the Rust Iron Hands episode, uh, it is established that Geode has been, is held in a military dictatorship for a few years. Uh, Delta, one of the 17 Knights of Dragon, the Kingslayer, they that killed Arthur of Iron Hill, the most violent and fearsome of the 17 Knights, held the city captive in a military dictatorship for several years until being ousted by rust iron hands and the iron forged. And for a time and for a time all was good. This is around when Amy comes in, hangs around the city for a while. Amy it lives as the machine god until the end of her days. She grows old with her beloved at her side. The two of them live comfortably and pass on comfortably in geode. And Amy's heart is still a powerful reactor and is used as an artificial sun to like shape and like grow the land and like keep the people warm and happy for a generation
0: i love that
1: and eventually however eventually tragedy strikes the ley lines die
0: the walls
1: of geode are pushed closed forever one soldier john pierre is pushed out is pushed out with a mission of restarting the ley lines in his hand the closing beat of this episode.
0: Can I? I know what you're gonna say, and I don't mean to. Well, actually, because you said both of these things in the yeah. past. You said in Rust Iron Hands that it's the warf, the heart of the war forged oh, the gun. Oh, did I? You did.
1: Oh well, good, good. All right, then what do we think is more? All right, all right.
0: I like her being the fucking son. That's lit. I think that's be-
1: I think that's better than her being the gun.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's very. It's like it's good.
1: Okay. Thank you for well actually. Like, Please keep all of this in the episode because it's important.
0: <laughs> it's no important way. that we hear this. True. It is important that y'all know that like we're we trying mess to, up sometimes. We mess up sometimes and we're trying to keep this canon. We say a lot. There is like a hundred episodes. We try to so, keep this up to, you know, we try to keep it good. I didn't so, mean to well actually. <laughs> no, yeah. no,
1: I actually no. Like I'm telling you to keep it in the episode because I super appreciate it because I did. Uh, you're hundred percent right that I've talked about both ways. Yes. So Amy gives her heart to geode as it is it, as it is her heart right it is the place where she grew old with the love of her life the two of them lived happily forever yeah and so she goes on to keep the people of geode warm as the doors close in this period of darkness when armed with the heart of the iron being that freed geode from a military dictatorship one dwarven soldier john pierre effortlessly stylish sipping a grape vape rig
0: <laughs>
1: sipping do you sip vape i've never i'm vaped. not sure how to like i don't know how to describe no vape. you gotta I say you fucking
0: you rip it you yeah, fucking ripping, you pull on it or you ripping rip it ripping delicious
1: grape cotton
0: <laughs> it was 2016 y'all <laughs> it's a different time
1: <laughs> wanders out into the waste to restart the ley lines and and it usher in a new era of light and fantasy
0: I really like that.
1: I like all of that. I think I'm I'm happy that we hashed that part out because apparently I've been getting it wrong in my head.
0: Forever. Well, you've just said it. You just said two different things and they're both good because you said in like, I think it was like an episode ago or two. You were like, yeah, and the armed with the heart of the new machine God. I was like, oh, boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah I, yeah, I I think we had. You know what I think? What This is peeling back the curtain a little bit. Yeah. I think I had said I think we had talked about that on Instant Messenger. Yeah. Before the Rust Iron Hands episode. And oh, I absolutely. always just assumed that was canon.
0: Yeah, because we had talked about like what happens to Amy. She's a fucking robot. You know, we we're like, we gotta do something cool. And it was like, what if like she we you know, she's old and gives her heart and that's what jump starts the ley lines, you know, that old tale. Yeah. But I really like the she becomes the son of she Gia, the, the new sun. artificial son. I think that's dope. I'm god that. only knows. First of all, I have to say what's hilarious about Geode to me is that there's so like we're doing it again where we go, but what about this? We'll get there. Like just close the doors, like mount magic's done. You know, blah, blah blah. What the hell happened to the real machine god in like the basement of Geode? <laughs> they just, just turned off. <laughs> <laughs> fell asleep. Don't know. This all powerful relic wielder is just in Geode, like, well, I guess I've got nothing to do now. Pick playing Guitar Hero, picks up some new hobbies. Maybe we'll figure that out. Maybe that's like a cool thing we'll figure out. It's like the Machine God left Geode, and that's why like Amy had to be like, "Well, I have to be the Sun now."
1: Yeah, we'll figure
0: that out. We'll get that's to a, it. That's a that's a cool tale. The Relic wielder leaves Geode, fucking maybe dies or passes the relic on or just like something, and G- Amy has to be like, "Well, I guess I'm fucking keep the lights on." <laughs> I'm into it.
1: I'm into it. And we'll and like yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll get, get to there. it down the road. We'll
0: get there. We'll get there. We'll get there.
1: But I think that pretty much wraps it up on Geode. I think that gives you all the information that we have to present on this wonderful, fascinating place.
0: Yeah. And we'll get more characters and dwarves and Geode and talk about like what it's like living there and what kind of details will, you know, all lols aside, we'll figure out what kind of people would kind of be created in a place like this. Yeah. You know, like what that would mean about their lives. And I'm very excited about that. I'm into it. I'm definitely into it. Um. And that's pretty much that's a wrap on the episode. Yeah. Wow. I like Rose's Guide. I like Rose's Guide a lot. Do you want to do a quick verbal hug?
1: Uh, yeah, let's go through the quick, let's go through the, uh, the the whole outro Oh the whole
0: rigmarole. If you'd like to submit a prompt to our show for use in a future episode to create a beautiful character and story, there are a gajillion ways you can do it.
1: Yeah, if you'd like to further flesh out the world of Geode, send us a a dwarf-themed prompt. You can, uh, tweet them at amfc underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasychildren. You can post them to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash all my children. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. You can post them to our Discord at bit.ly slash discord, Or you can send them to uh, at allmyfantasychildren.com.
0: Yes. While you're there, be sure to check out our Wikipedia page curated by Katie Kolop. Uh, jump into our band camp where all the music from the show comes and gets posted. And it costs zero dollars. Also, Jeff has a second podcast.
1: I do. Uh, Party of One is an actual play focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with a friend, we play a two-player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com. Boom! All My Fantasy Children is part of the One-Shot Network, a collection of role-playing game-centric podcasts that hope to make role-playing games a more inclusive, fun, and engaging space. If you enjoy All My Fantasy Children, consider checking out Backstory, Alex Roberts, every two weeks, interviews a luminary, an up-and-coming voice, an interesting person in the world of LARP, in the world of interactive role-playing games. There are some truly fascinating, truly engaging conversations that I think are some of the best interviews in role-playing games today. You can find that at on the OneShot Podcast uh, network page at OneShotPodcast.com. Look for Backstory.
0: Yeah. Oh, I have a quick little thing to drop. On January 28th, which is a week from now, and you're in New York and you have nothing to do at 9.30, I'm going to be in a concert featuring a new composer or an upcoming composer. I'm going to be singing back up to a bunch of Broadway people singing solos. It's called Look What You Started, the music of Will Buck. And it's at 9.30 p.m. January 28th at the Green Room 42. Uh, look it up. It's going to be a lot of fun. You'll see me sing back up in like two songs and you'll see a lot of really fucking talented Broadway people singing really amazing music and me smiling in the background.
1: That sounds incredible. <laughs> like that sounds like cool. an incredible,
0: uh, speaking of things to
1: promote, that reminds me, I also have a thing to promote. Fuck yeah. I've been forgetting to do this. Um, Saturday, that is, or er, Sunday, January 27th, that is, uh, the Sunday after this episode drops. Um, I'm going to be, Party of One will be performing at the Everything is Awesome Headstrong Comedy Festival. It is a collection of live podcast recordings all over the city of Philadelphia, raising money for Headstrong, which is a cancer charity. You can go to bit.ly slash, to donate to the cause. We're trying to raise $500 for charity, uh, specifically at Thirsty Dice from 12 to 8 on Sunday is an entire day of actual play and games-focused podcasting. Party of One's gonna be there, Pod of Love is gonna be there, uh, Heart Points, all sorts of different shows focused on role-playing games. It's going to be a great day. I, I recommend you come out if you are in or around the city of Philadelphia. So if you're, whether you're in Philly or New York, there's all sorts of cool stuff happening.
0: Yeah. A verbal hug this week. I have a quick one. Hit me. If your friends make stuff, you should be supporting them in every way that you can, you know, within your limitations, you know, whether it's financial or like word of mouth. Like, if your friends make a webcomic, read it. Tell other people to read it. If they make a podcast, tell people what it is. You know, just retweeting it, telling people about it. Support your friends. You know, it's tough out there making stuff. We always say that. But it's easier. It can be a little easier with people's support. And in any way you can. You see your friends tweeting about something that isn't, like, hurting anybody and it's promoting their thing? Shoot it a fucking retweet. Comment on it. That looks lit. I don't fucking know. But, like, give them your help because it's hard out there you know you want it when you're making a thing. You love it when people are like, "This is cool." You should be experiencing what I'm making. You know you love that feeling. Why not give it to someone else? Hmm.
1: I think that's really good. I think it's a very good little verbal hug. If you if you like something or if you like someone, share that love. You know, let the, let them let them know that their creative works are appreciated by the people in their lives. I think that's a valuable. It's a valuable and sometimes all too rare thing.
0: Yeah, is
1: that it? I think that's it. <laughs> Well, until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Rose's Guide. Good Good night,
0: night. and good good game. game.